Okay then, and welcome to another episode of the Ignite Your Mind podcast. Myself, Sanjay Patel. I hope you guys are doing well and thank you for listening in. Um, so today, again, I've got another uh, special guest uh, from another country, especially in the US, which is great. Um, I seem to love my US guests at the moment in the second season of this podcast. So uh, yeah, I'm really pleased to have the lovely Sharon on board. How you doing, Sharon? Hello. Wow, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem, no problem at all. <laughs> so it's an interesting story about sort of how how we know each other. Um, so like most of my guests, actually, it seems to be these days, we met through Instagram. Um, I think I started following you. And do you know what? As I said to, said to you earlier this week, you were one of my inspirations as to why I started my podcast. Um, seeing you do yours and you know, seeing how you live your life as the, the nomad lifestyle, obviously pre-COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, pre-COVID, yes. Pre-COVID, yeah, yeah. But inspired me. And also, your mum and dad are heroes. I love your, I love seeing your videos and your mum and dad. Okay. You know, you know, the thing is, my parents, I feel like, are more popular on social media than yeah. me. I always <laughs> tell them. So. I'm not so surprised. Like, yeah, I upload things of them, like, on TikTok. And, yeah. like, one of the first videos of my dad it got like 700,000 views or something like that. So it just like it. blew up. No yeah, way. and then it's like my first time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I did something that went viral. So uh, it went <laughs> kind of viral. And then every single time I post something of just me, it's like, you yeah. know, 400, 400 yeah. views. Great. I'm like, what? <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's funny because like, um, one of the reasons I started following you was because of obviously you were living that digital nomad lifestyle, which I love and I, I would fully embrace myself. Um, and, and I started seeing those videos and obviously the TikTok stuff. And yeah, it just, it just mm-hmm. seemed like it was the, the perfect balance. Like your parents are just here. It's just the stuff they do. Maybe it's the way you record it. I don't know. The reason, <laughs> and what you try, I don't know. Do you get them to do stuff or do you just be no, like, do no. you this? like, do you want to get involved while I'm doing this? Like, no, my parents, um, they're the cutest. And I just try to capture little moments and things where I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny. And for me, it's like, oh my gosh, I think my parents are so adorable. So let me just record this. Yeah. And then I just like put it up and people seem to like it as well. And I think it's because like my parents are, I don't know, they're very like sweet and cute. Yeah. And, you know, Asian parents being sweet and cute, I think. You know, 100%. people, apparently, people all around the world seem to like it. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. Well, look, anyway, um, we'll, we'll talk about more with your parents uh, when we get into the podcast. Mm-hmm. But if anyone's listening and they're wondering what the hell we're talking about, I will put Sharon's Instagram details all over this post. So make sure you go check it out. Um, okay, Sharon. So I've invited you on because you're doing cool stuff. Um, I see what you're doing from your social media. Uh, and this podcast is all about people that are doing cool stuff, but have also... Uh, be able to tell their story or their journey and the challenges they've come through. So for people that are listening, can you take us back to when it, or what it was like for Sharon growing up as a kid? Like, where were you and what kind of uh, kid were you? Okay, what kind of kid was I? Hmm. Um, that's a funny thing. Um, I love telling a story about my childhood because who, when people see me now, they don't believe what kind of child I was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So they see me now, um, like, for example, when I was in Bali, I won the Social Butterfly Award in our digital nomad community because I'm always, like, chatting up with people, always yeah. meeting people. But actually, I grew up, I was very, very shy. Um, and my parents always, like, even now, my parents talk about this, how, like, when I was little, I used to always just hide behind 
you know, my parents or my dad and always like was so afraid to talk. And I remember in second grade, there was this time and I, I shared this on my podcast too. Um, but there was a time where I literally peed my pants because I was so scared to tell the teacher that I need to go pee and no. go to the bathroom when it's like not break time yet, you oh, know? No. Um, so I think what happened was just like, I was so scared to, you know, uh, challenge authority. Mm -hmm. I was so scared to speak up. And I felt like hearing my voice too, it was just like so scary because I was so not used to voicing yeah. my opinion um, outside of my home, at least. I think my parents, they did a really good job of just nurturing a safe space within home. Mm -hmm. So at home, it'd be like, I would be a chatterbox and I would chat want. it all up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and my older sister, she would always say like, oh yeah, like since you're little, you were always chatty. Mm. But then that was at home. But when you take me outside, I was so scared. So growing up, I was really, really shy kid. Um, I was actually born in South Korea. So I grew up there until I was seven. And in second grade, I moved to California in America. So being an immigrant as well, like I came, I didn't even know the ABCs. So trying yeah. to figure out a whole new language yeah. on top of being like the extremely shy kid. I was just quiet that first year when I was in, in my new school in America. And I feel like almost people thought I was mute because I was just so quiet. And I remember yeah. like six months into my second grade class, I said this one phrase, which was, yay, we're going to the library. And people freaked out and they were like, oh my gosh, Sharon said something. And they no. would bring me to the teacher and be like, Sharon, say it again, say it again. Yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah. So people think, you know, like Sharon Kilon Han, I'm a podcaster, I'm a life coach, I do digital marketing. And, you know, last year I spent six months traveling and things like that. So they think, mm -hmm. like, wow, like you're so outgoing, you're so extroverted, you love talking. But yeah. in reality, I was just, a really shy kid <laughs> yeah do you know what it's kind of interesting because i can kind of resonate with that when i was younger i was kind of the same like my mum told me a story that when i went to she took me to the doctors to get my injections when i was i don't know three four maybe i was talking basically um and apparently the doctor was asking me questions and i just would not say anything and even when he'd done oh. the injections i just didn't say anything even though it hurt apparently i was my face oh my was, gosh because uh -huh. i was so so shy to say anything or, or literally just wouldn't say anything and then i remember mm -hmm. in school i used to find like one or two friends and just mm -hmm. be sociable with them but literally just not even speak to anyone throughout the whole yeah. school like the, my early days um and now look at us like we won't shut up <laughs> now we just i know talking. i know so and it's... you know the thing is like showing up like this and doing the podcast interviewing people and even like giving talks presentations um and things like that like last year i had the honor of being one of the lady boss speakers in like an event we had in bali but like all those things still scare me to yeah. be honest so it's not that things like this don't scare me anymore mm -hmm. but i think now i've learned to say no to fear and to be like you know what like if what i'm doing is going to help someone if someone can be encouraged by hearing my story Mm -hmm. then I'm willing to put myself out there and give it a shot. And also, like, yeah. I think the more you do things where, you know, if something scares you, instead of running away from it, if you run towards it, then you become stronger and stronger. Yeah, there's like a higher agenda there, isn't there? 
for what mm-hmm. you want to do and what you the impact you can make um yeah and i fully mm-hmm. fully agree with that um all right cool so going through sort of the early school years i mean let's let's take the age so going into your early teens um mm-hmm. obviously you moved over to the u.s when you were seven like started mm-hmm. to get the language i'm assuming started mm-hmm. to pick stuff up maybe started to come out of your shell like what were you like with teens like the teenage years yeah teenage years um so growing up you know during those times i moved around a lot i went to uh so in america there's you know six grades in, in terms of elementary school so there's six mm-hmm. years i went to five different elementary schools which means basically oh, wow. almost every year i moved and then um in middle school after moving around a lot I entered a middle school, which was like a special middle school in California where you have to take a test to get in. Mm-hmm. So by the nature of it, you know, everyone in my middle school were like top of their class in yeah. elementary school. Um, like, for example, in my elementary school, I, I legit was like the only person who got into this middle school from all the people who took the test. So you can see how competitive this middle school was. It was middle school to high school. Yeah. Um, so for everyone there, you know, during orientation in middle school, the teacher would say, like, I know you guys are used to being, like, the smart kid in your elementary school. But here, like, everyone here is basically, a, you know, the top of the class in mm-hmm. elementary school. So you're not going to feel special anymore. And they would, like, tell us yeah. that. Yeah, so I think in middle school and going up into my teens, it was just like, I was so focused on school because being Asian, Asian parents, I think since I was younger, for me, it was just like, wow, like I need to get good grades, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they always say like, if it's not an A, like anything below an A is is like an F in our household type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And even though my parents like never put that pressure on me, I feel like I just kind of like put that pressure on myself. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I need to get all A's and things like this. So starting middle school, you know, I was only looking at like, okay, I need to get all A's. Um, and it was really stressful. And I remember, you know, I used to not sleep because, you know, I would just like sleep very, very little amounts because I was trying to do everything. And for me, I feel like um, my older sister, she's like, I think she got all the smart genes. Uh, for me, I feel like I have to try a little bit harder for everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in terms thing, of, right? yeah, I think it like challenged me um, yeah. and it grew me and strengthened my endurance in a way yeah. Yeah. Uh, where I don't look at things that are difficult and say like, okay, like I can't do this, but I look at difficult things and think about, okay, like let me just like work harder, try harder and see what I can do and try to figure this out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in teenage years, um, in teens, I think I just, like, was so focused on school academics, and I, to be honest, I think I was just living in this performance mentality, where mm-hmm. I always felt like I needed to perform, I always needed to try hard to please people and things like this, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, performance mentality, but in terms of, like, family and things like this, I think um, I was a goody 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 you know <laughs> didn't do anything yeah. wrong yeah. um I tried to you know I was that that girl who was just like um you know varsity cheerleader straight A's you know okay. not drinking and going partying yeah. kind of crazy girl 
but yeah I think I was just like very like performance mindset um yeah. I was living in that performance mindset in my teen years yeah I've got a question about the the cultural upbringing um mm-hmm. so for you in particular was there a lot of pressure on you even though maybe your parents didn't put it on you I think you mentioned but you felt the pressure was there was that was that because of the, the the cultural background like I obviously had it as well being from an Indian background mm-hmm. like there is that sort of stigma around you have to do this you have to do that a certain way and if you do it another way then you look you know your family looks frown you they frown upon mm-hmm. you they, they look down mm-hmm. on you and stuff like that um so was that was that the same for you like what what happened yeah I I yeah definitely I think culture has a big part of it as well mm-hmm. um you know in Korea education is like the number one you know focus okay. that I feel like the parents have when they're raising up children yeah and I think even like for example since I was younger I think our parents challenge us to dream big and for mm-hmm. us we like it was just like maybe it's culture thing too where we just always want the best <laughs> so yeah so for example um in when i was in sixth grade or fifth grade going into sixth grade we did like a one month long trip around the united states it's like a road trip we went on we hopped in a car from california and we drove around the united states for a month Wow. But a lot of the destinations were national parks, and it was national parks and universities. So we would go oh, and we okay. would visit, you know, like when we were in um, Atlanta, Georgia, we went to Emory, and we're like checking out this university. And then we went to in Michigan, you know, Michigan University. And then obviously in Massachusetts, we went to Harvard, MIT, and all these, you know, prestige, yeah, universities. And I remember thinking since I was younger, I remember going to college, going to Harvard and then thinking, this is the school that I'm going to go to. So, you know, I think yeah. since I was young, I just, you know, I just had big dreams for myself. Mm-hmm. And because I put myself into that standard, it was just like, yeah, I was always constantly trying to strive and perform, mm-hmm. trying to meet those goals that I think maybe culturally and I think it's kind of like a mix of both. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think that sounds really interesting. So you're basically the whole. It sounds like the the one of the main focuses in your upbringing mm-hmm. is education related. Now I know you follow Gary V, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary Vee, Chuck, and obviously he's got a lot of opinions about education and yeah. the education system today. Um, so now looking back, now you're older, mm-hmm. and you've obviously been mm-hmm. through all of that. Now looking at the education system today. Do you think that that's still the right way to go for the younger generation that are coming behind oh, us? Definitely not. <laughs> mm, okay. Definitely not. I think, um, man, I think there's so much broken systems in the in education right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I can say this personally. Yeah. So growing up, you know, in high school and things like this. I got straight A's, you know, um, did very well in school. But to be honest, I feel like I learned nothing. Um, <laughs> and like all the <laughs> yeah. things that I did learn, um, it was literally just to get good grades on my test. Mm. So right after I take the test, so I would cram everything into my head right before the test. And then I would just like, like burp it all out mentally, yeah. you know, yeah. I would just like, 
take the test, like focus in that one hour to, you know, get everything right or whatnot. And then right after the test, I would just forget everything. Because mm. my mindset, I think, in terms of education was get good grades and then get into a good university. Mm-hmm. And that was just like my goal, you know, get good grades, get into a good university, get a high paying job, you know. So conventional, in high school, so, so yeah. conventional, isn't it? And it, it, it is like an old school thing now, like this, this yeah, millennial yeah. era that we're in just doesn't, just doesn't, it does happen, but it doesn't seem to, it's starting to swing. The balance is starting to swing towards millennial yeah. ways. Yeah, I think it's really cool because, I mean, for me, I love our generation. I have a whole podcast called Millennial Life School because my heart is for our generation, for our millennials. Um, And I think it's really cool because I think millennials, we are challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. We're challenging the olden system and we're saying like, oh, is this the best way? Like, why is this what everyone's everyone want? Like all the things that people want to achieve. Why is it that when people get there, they're not happy? Mm-hmm. and we're challenging them we're like okay actually what makes us happy you know mm-hmm. but going back in terms of like education stuff yeah like I think it's so broken because we're getting used to this mindset of doing everything and studying and learning to do well on a test but thing is that's not how life works <laughs> and yeah. I had to learn it because I was so used to this performance mentality that when I graduated from university, what I was thinking is like, oh my gosh, how the heck do I get an A in life? You know, now yeah. it's like, I'm entering real life. Like, yeah. what does that even mean? You know? Who's going to mark my grades that I've got an A? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so I, right. it's like, and, I, and for me, I'm like, okay, what does it mean to get an A? And then when you look on social media, you could look at people who are like same age as you, who are millionaires on you know something something blew up on the internet or something and they're millionaires and then you can look at that and be like oh is that an a or you can look at someone who's like married with kid and happily married and you're like is that an a like what's an a in life and it's there is no a like you know there is no grading system in life you know and so in that process like especially in your early 20s i think that's when you're trying to figure out what what it means for Mm -hmm. you what a what that i guess quote unquote a means in your life and it's so different for everyone in terms of like what does it mean for you to be happy like what is your standard anyways you know Mm -hmm. like in in school there is a grading system and it's same thing like what's your grading system and oftentimes i think we weren't ever challenged Mm -hmm. in you know our teens to think about those things so when you all of a sudden you're 22, you just graduated from college and you're just thrown into the real world to figure yeah. it out. That's like, when whoa. I think people, yeah, people mm-hmm. are like, whoa, like I, like, what is this? What's the meaning of life? And we start asking ourselves all these, all these deeper questions. But yeah, yeah I think like education, I really think um, it shouldn't be about getting good grades. It shouldn't be just about GPA. I really think it should be about like learning, like learning for the sake of enjoying learning. And mm. now like I love learning, yeah, but I'm yeah. not learning to get good grades or something like that. But I'm actually learning because it's like enjoyable and Enjoy I'm learning it. about things that 
yeah, that I'm interested in. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I, such a valid point. Like I never really looked at it like that. Like, what is it? Like, how do you get an A in life? Like, <laughs> you just like this. The, you know, it's just that transition. So going back to like when you when you left the education system, did you have a plan? What did you do? Yeah. So right after I left university, so. At that time, um, I graduated with a bachelor's in science and administration, and I did a triple. So I did finance, marketing, and organizational behavior. And I guess like this also kind of goes to show how much of like a performer I was. Where I'm like, yeah. I'm I, I can't do just one. I have to do three. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Definitely so, get a big picture of what you what you were like <laughs> growing up. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that super like oh my gosh like mm. I gotta achieve 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 that kind of girl. Yeah. Um, so I graduated with a triple in finance, marketing, and organizational behavior. And in that time, my senior year, I was trying to figure out, okay, like, do I want to focus on finance? Because if I want to do that, then there's like data analysis type of jobs and, you know, financial, you know, in the financial sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, ha- I had a little bit of experience because I interned at a consulting firm in Korea when I was studying abroad there. Um, and then like, but I was like, okay, I don't think I'm much more, much of a Excel data. Let me yeah. just do this all day type of girl. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe, um, organizational behavior, which is more HR, but I was like, oh, I don't know. HR is this what I really want to do. And so I was just confused cause I had a lot of different options, yeah. but I realized, okay, you know what? I feel like from all the classes that I took. I really enjoy taking my digital marketing class and just classes on marketing. And mm-hmm. I feel like with marketing and especially the advertising world, it's like so creative. You can get so creative in yeah. advertising and things like this. Yeah. So I was learning about all these like ad campaigns and how to go viral on internet these days and like all these different things. And I, I was like, okay, you know, I feel like going more of a creative route would be good. Mm-hmm. So after graduating, um, I took a little, I took a couple months at home just to rest because I'm like, this is probably the only time that I'll be home yeah. like this for for a long time after graduating. So I spent some time at home and then I moved straight to LA because, you know, LA, Hollywood, media, all that stuff. So I'm yeah. like, you know, I want to be part of that. And mm-hmm. I feel like, and, at, you know, being a really young, naive, you can say naive, um, very like hope filled um, recent grad. How old like, were you, you know when what? you moved there? Uh, 21, 22, 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being at that age, I was like, wow, like I want to change the world. And the only way to do that is reach, is get into like LA, Hollywood, because Hollywood and media industry is, I feel like, what's Massive, impacting yeah. culture. In, in the masses. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to be part of the media world. So I moved to LA and then I got my first job in a media company. It's one of the, it's a pretty big media company in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got the job without knowing exactly what I was getting myself into. Uh, okay. So I knew it was a media company and my job was, was something, my team was in TV media. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like this has to do with television and I'm working with all these TV stations and 
ad agencies like this is gonna be so fun mm -hmm. and I'm gonna be creative and I'll be able to like you know put something into the media world that creates change something, and yeah. then yeah and then like the first day of work I realized that's not what my job entailed um so uh, I was <laughs> I was very disappointed um mm. but same time you know I think one thing that I do want to say to all college students is, you know, your first job will probably suck. And, and, your so, and that's okay. <laughs> and yeah. your third maybe, and your fourth, yeah, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I think that's totally fine because it's all process of learning. 100%. And with 100%. everything, you you just grow closer and closer to what you want to do. Yeah, no, do you know what? That's so true. Like, I've, I mean, I'm 34 now, and I've been through... I suppose I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I turned 30. 30 was my magical moment mm -hmm. or pre to wow. 30. That what was what I, happened? Uh -huh. I don't know. I just kind of like went into a, a trance. And when I was like 29 and a half, let's say, like six months prior, mm -hmm. and I was like, so I'm turning 30 in six months. Like, what am I doing? I started asking mm -hmm. myself loads of questions. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. What do I want to do? Where am I now? And how mm -hmm. do I get there? What are the steps mm -hmm. I need to take? I just really started like self-analyzing like, like every day and then i started listening to like podcasts um not podcasts like um youtube uh, videos mm -hmm. of, like motivational videos and business videos and how to do, how to build a business and how to do this and do that how to find your purpose and all of these stuff mm -hmm. and it was just a, it was just a life-changing like moment and i've just been on some mad journey for the last four years behind yeah. it which is which is cool and i i'm 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 thankful thankful to that sanjay who was 30 years old who made those decisions then um yeah, but yeah. just going back to what you were saying like when you come out of college and you come out of education it does mm -hmm. it's, it's gonna take time like it yeah ha you have to go through the motions the processes actually like you said you have to go through that and then mm -hmm. you find what you want um and it does take time um okay cool whilst you were going through all of that like moving to la like going through being the number one student getting all these amazing grades and doing all sorts of education did you at any point go through anything mental health related or be surrounded by anyone that was mentally like mental health illnesses or mental health related uh, and yeah and you and yourself did you did you ever question anything um i think one thing and this is something that i did mention about how it's uh how i was a really shy kid mm -hmm. um i think for me um in terms of like depression or things like that um i you know, I didn't have to go through that kind of season. I think growing up, um, I was pretty joyful child, but I think one thing that I did struggle massively with is with fear. And mm -hmm. this kind of relates to why I was so shy too, I think. Um, but everything, like, I think I was just very paranoid as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of fear and I used to get these like fear attacks. And I don't even know if that's like the right way to put it. No, it makes um, sense though. It makes complete yeah, sense. Yeah, but it's like, I can't, I could imagine when people explain what anxiety attacks are like. I feel like it wasn't exactly an anxiety attack, but it was just like a fear attack where mm -hmm. I was just filled with so much fear where like my body, I just felt like I couldn't function mm -hmm. and I would just freeze up. And it's it would be like really short moments, right? Mm -hmm. Where I would be thinking about something for a very, very long time. And I think since I was younger, like my mind was always just like thinking and thinking and thinking. And yeah. I remember even as a kid, 
because I was thinking so much, I didn't know if any other kids, like other seven years old, were thinking all these yeah. stuff. So I would ask other people, like, hey, what do you think about it? And people are like, I don't know, like ice cream or, you know, like something very like simple. And then there I was, I like seven thinking about life and death and like what happens when I die. And then like, and for me, I'm Christian. So I believe in God and I believe in heaven, but I'm like, so what happens in heaven? And then like, and then like, you know, all these like deep thoughts. It's kind of funny for me to think about if I, if I look at like a seven-year-old now, I'm like, oh my God, you're so little. And when I think back about when I was seven years old and I remember all the things that I was thinking about at that age, I'm like, oh, actually like, you're not that little. Like everyone still has like a good functioning brain at that time. But there'll be times where I'd be like lost in my thoughts and I would just get wrapped up and just like what ifs and like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, that's going to be so scary. And all these like things where... I would just like freeze up and I felt like there would be moments where I would just be sucked in to fear kind of like black hole where everything like my reality just seemed really far and my fear was like right in my face and in those moments I remember I would just like jump up and down and I would start hitting my head because I just wanted those thoughts out of my head and I would just go to my parents and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And just jumping, kicking and hitting my head. And I would have those like, those moments and like those freak out moments. And obviously it would freak my parents out. And they're like trying to pray for me, mm-hmm. trying to calm me down, trying to hold me and things like that. Um, but yeah, I like looking back, I, I remember those moments. I'm like, wow, like, I don't think that was so normal for for little little kids to to experience that kind of stuff um but yeah I think that's like my you know those moments where I had um and yeah but nothing like where um I feel like immediately in terms of like something in terms of anxiety I think Mm -hmm. maybe fear and anxiety is kind of linked together yeah Um, yeah I would have thought so but yeah. I mean, it, it's really interesting. You had it at that age, and it was that impactful, yeah. and, you, and the fact you remember it so vividly as well, like being yeah. seven years old and having those fear attacks. We call them. Um, do you know what fear stands for? What do you mean? Like no, uh huh. <laughs> False evidence appearing real. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard that. Have yes. You heard that? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I've literally that's stuck in my head forever now. So every time I think about being yeah. scared of something, I was like, oh, no, 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 it's false evidence appearing real. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting thing to happen because like a lot of people that are kids, you know, you don't really know what's happening. You don't know. You don't know about life, do you? You're, you're a sponge. You, you learn. Yeah, they think that. But yeah, but I remember I can vividly remember all the things that I was thinking about. And mm. even like, and my parents think I'm lying, but even like, I remember things from my childhood and I would tell them like, oh yeah, I remember like when we were living in that house and like when dad carried me out of the car, I was so sad because of this and this and this. Yeah. And they're like, Sharon, you're like three or maybe even like two and a half. <laughs> how like, how do you remember this? that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, and they're like, do you remember probably because we told you about the story? I'm like, no, like I no, distinctly no. remember what I was thinking and what yeah. I was feeling at that time. So it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> madness, madness. All right. And then, yeah. so going into your more recent years, like mm-hmm. what have, how did you get into coaching and like this, this, 
this journey, I suppose we call it, um, this personal yeah. development journey. Like, what, 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 what happened? What was the transition like? Yeah, um, a lot of different things. And one thing I do want to say is my journey was pretty messy. It's not like mm. A, you know, point A to point B, just straight line. Yeah. But I think, you know, this is good because no one's life is A to B straight line, you know? No. Um, so what happened was, so after graduating from university, I moved to Los Angeles and I was living in LA, working at, in my media company. And, you know, it's like a little over two, two years I was working there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I was progressing up, getting a promotion, getting, you know, a, a title, account executive or whatnot. Um, and then I was just working, working, working. But then like, I think there was this one moment where when I first started, I started as an assistant, you know, bottom of the ladder and, you know, doing things where it was just like very tedious and boring and things like this. And I was thinking, okay, once I become an account executive, then my job will be a little bit more interesting because I'll get more authority. We'll get the credit card, you know, the company card, but yeah. not, and I'll have, you know, I wouldn't be so micromanaged. I hated being micromanaged, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, once I become an account executive, I'll, I'll have my own clients and, you know, I'll get more freedom. So I worked hard and then a year into my job, I became account executive. And then it was like, okay, now that I'm account executive, I'll probably do some interesting stuff and I'll like my job a little bit more. And then like that didn't really happen. And I think around that time, I started to get really just like, dull and that's the only way that i can ex explain it just dull like mm. nothing was so exciting yeah. um you know i felt like i felt like i was turning into a robot like an yeah. office drone and i think that's the best way to describe it yeah. um where i just i wasn't doing anything that was really stimulating my mind mm -hmm. so the only like way to relieve that was during my whole nine to five. Um, I would just listen to podcasts every single day because I was in my cubicle just sitting and like doing my job, answering emails or whatever. Um, but it was just like repetitive work mm -hmm. and nothing was stimulating. So I would listen to podcasts and or audiobooks, you know, audibles. Yeah. And listen to books just to get my mind stimulated because mm -hmm. I just felt like oh my gosh, I'm so bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just so bored and just like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I was wasting time at work, to be honest. Um, horrible, horrible feeling. I've had that all too many times yeah. so well. Yeah, and then like, and work started to get, you know, things like start to get annoying because I'm like, oh, like, do I really like have to do this? You know, yeah, like everything yeah. felt really tedious. Um, so yeah, I remember just going through those days and I would just wake up, go to work and then come back and it was just really dull. And yeah. I started to feel like I'm getting dumber and dumber just because I, I felt like I wasn't using my brain. Yeah. And <laughs> I just, you know, and I feel like after you do that, it's like, Later, you realize, like, oh my gosh, like it's already been a year. So what the, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, and then and then like yeah. a year after, you know, like a year or two after, I realized, like, how have I grown as a person in this time? Because you know, mm -hmm. I remember like in in college, I was journaling almost every single day, and I was growing so much, and I was interacting with all these different people, mm -hmm. and relationships, and 
you know, all these new revelations, new thoughts. And I just felt like I was constantly growing as a person. It was really exciting. Mm. And then like I moved and I came to LA with this big dream of mine to be like, you know what? Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be a positive light in the media industry. And then I find myself in a cubicle where I'm just like, doing Whoa. things where I'm not doing anything creative. I'm not putting yeah. anything out there. And I know like the things in terms of my own strength, I feel like I'm not utilizing any of my strengths. Mm. So I started to get really, really frustrated and miserable. And every single time, and like I mentioned before, um, like growing up, I feel like I was a really joyful child. Like I would always, I had a lot of joy in me. And I think this is, you know, something that um, is unique of mine, where um, I feel like it's like a gift from God, like he placed a lot of joy in my heart. And I'm really grateful for that. But then, but then like, at that time, I just felt like, I like, for the first time, like, oh my gosh, like, why am I so not joyful? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just like, I mean, in terms of weekends, like that, I was happy mm-hmm. you know and actually every single moment the happiest time of my day was my commute and it's people in LA might think I'm crazy but I didn't have a crazy commute from like the suburbs into the city because I lived in the city yeah. um, I I just had like um, my work was about four miles away from where I lived mm-hmm. so it was a nice little um, local road commute with palm trees and you know LA great weather yeah so yeah. like the happiest times of my day was my commute my car yeah. ride I love just driving looking at the blue sky the palm trees and things like this and then like at work I was just like oh my gosh like this is, like no, I'm miserable you know? yeah yeah and I'm like yeah. wow if I if my commute to work is the most joyful moment of my day I think something is wrong especially yeah. if I'm spending so much time at work right and like yeah. a person like you spend so much time at work and if you are miserable easy, all yeah. those yeah if you're miserable 40 hours a week like <laughs> you gotta change something so when was like yeah. when was the the penny dropped when you knew like yeah you, you like i'm done i'm done with this but then you knew what you want to do when was that that penny drop moment yeah i think that probably happened um well actually penny if you say penny drop moment um like the moment I, I made the decision, it happened very, everything happened very quickly, mm-hmm. but I think there was a buildup. So back before I quit, I quit my job last year. Yeah. Um, so last year, March, I quit my job, 2019, but starting from 2018 around August was when mm-hmm. I started really thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember there was a time when and I think everything kind of the momentum built up from then. So around August or um, yeah, like August of 2018, I remember there was this one Wednesday night, I was at like a church prayer night. And I remember just like crying because I just felt really stuck. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who can relate where you just feel stuck and yeah. you don't know what you want to do. And for me, I felt stuck because I didn't like where I was. And I hated the fact that I was turning into a person who was complaining all the time. And for me, I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, like people knew me as someone who's like always positive and joyful. Mm-hmm. But then now, like every single time people ask me, Sharon, like, how are you? 
like, oh my gosh, like, my job, like, I hate this. And I was just complaining. And I, I didn't like that I was becoming a person that was complaining. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know, I didn't know how to leave my job because I didn't know what to leave to. Yeah. Cause yeah. That's, that's the if, biggest problem for everyone that hates their job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's like, um, I'm working in this place. I built some experience as an account executive in the media industry, doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then like, it seems like the only plausible job are within the same thing within, you know, within the same um, industry and same field of work in a different company. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, well, yeah, if I go get a job here and they're paying me a little bit more, but then essentially I feel like I'm still going to be miserable. And do I really want to get yeah. stuck at another job? Because, you know, like you don't want to move around so much. Um, so it's like, I was thinking if I get a new job, I'll probably have to stay there for at least a year or so. Yeah. Do I really want another miserable job at a different place for yeah. that line? There was a saying I, I used to have, I was like, uh, when I had, when I felt like that, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go get another job. Maybe it pays a little bit better. And I was like, well, no, I'm moving from one shit job to another shit job. And it's just like, it's yeah. still going to be the same. I'm still going to feel the same, right? Yeah. I might have a little bit more money, but I'll probably end up spending that on rubbish anyway. Like, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I was kind of in that boat and I felt miserable. So that Wednesday night at church, I was just crying. Mm. And I remember that night, um, I reconnected with a friend, old friend of mine that I knew from Boston. And then I was just telling him and maybe he was like, Hey, Sharon, like, how are you? Because maybe he saw that I was crying and was like, wanted Mm. to check, check in on me. But he was just like, Hey, Sharon, like, how are you? And I told him about my job and how I feel stuck and how, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, it just, I I told him I just feel lost. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you know, I just started career coaching. Um, (laughs) Do you want, do you feel like that's something that might be helpful for you? And I remember just looking at him like, oh my gosh, like, I need that. I need yeah. that, you know? <laughs> need it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started meeting with him and he started coaching me out, you know, and I feel like at that point, that's when things started to feel better. And he shared with me his story of like struggling to find the job, the right mm-hmm. career and all these different things. And he was older than me and he said like, at 29, that's when he finally found something that he's like, he really likes. But up until that time, you know, in that 20s, like, it was just so difficult feeling like a failure, feeling unsuccessful, feeling like you're, you know, you're getting older and older, and you're just like, you know, you're not where you want to be and things like this. So um, it helped me a lot talking with him. And then through organizing, I guess, what my goals are in terms of like breaking it down in terms of what my life goals are, what my work goals are, what my strengths are and how do I want to align things together and how do I see that all coming together? And then I came up with five different potential job offers or not job offers, but job opportunities. Okay. Yeah. Like potentially five different jobs and the top number one job that I put up there was digital marketing. And I, I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Cause I was in the traditional marketing, traditional media, um, where I was working with TV stations, mm-hmm. but I thought, you know what, maybe digital marketing would be something interesting. And so from that moment, I started talking with a guy who is a digital marketer and he's an entrepreneur. And through talking with the career coach too, 
um, we talked about how I have like an entrepreneurial spirit where mm-hmm. I don't, I hate when people are putting me in a box, yeah. kind of like in a cubicle and they're telling me, these are your job, these are your job tasks and that's yeah. all you can do. And you know, you can't do anything else like that. I, mean, I just, hate that. Just, mm. just on that, like do they, I mean, I haven't worked for a company that does that kind of thing in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mm-hmm. still happen? Like, do people still work in cubicles and like enjoy it? Um, well, my company, I was working in a cubicle, um, and I didn't enjoy it. It's like what you Some see in the movies, do. isn't it? <laughs> like the people that go into these offices and they've got little cubicles everywhere. Like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't think of so, anything worse, I mean, personally. Yeah, I mean, we we're a media company, but like mm. in terms of what I was doing, I was um like a media sales rep. So within media, I think, I don't know, it was just like not very glamorous. Um, the office was pretty, but mm, yeah. <laughs> in terms of like, yeah, it was just like, I felt like it, nothing, like nothing against the company mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. And I think, you know, the company is great and the employees and, you know, the people I met there were so many people, so many great people I met, but it just wasn't for me. And I think that's, something that people need to figure out in terms of what works for you and things like this. But for me, I think just where I was and given my characteristics and my personality and my unique strengths, it just felt like I, I, I just felt like a fish thrown into sand. Yeah. It just wasn't my water. It wasn't my field. Mm. Um, so after figuring that out, I started talking with a digital marketer and entrepreneur and because I was like, oh, wow, I'm interested in entrepreneurship. And I studied a little bit of entrepreneurship in college as well. And mm-hmm. I thought it was fascinating. And for me, I always had a goal of like starting my own company. It, like in my 30s, later down the line type of stuff. Um, but I didn't think it would happen this fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was talking with the guy, entrepreneur, digital marketer, and he became like a coach for me as well. Amazing. Where we were hopping on calls every every week, and he was giving me a lot of personal development stuff. Like Sharon, you should read this book. Sharon, you should listen to this podcast. I'll look into this, and then like oh, like do this questionnaire. It like personal growth questionnaire. Mm-hmm. It helped me change my life, and I started doing all those things, reading books, and. I think that so that build up happened. Yeah. Where it got me to a point where I started my first like side hustle while working nine to five. And that was all because I was working with a coach. Working mm. we're talking with a guy who is a digital marketer entrepreneur who was coaching me. And he said, like Sharon, like use your nine to five to pay the bills and your five to nine to live out your dreams. Yeah. So he started to change my mindset. And he was getting me from an employee mindset to an entrepreneur mindset. Mm-hmm. So during that time, with a lot of thanks to all, a lot of people around me, and I started to meet more entrepreneurs and people who are entrepreneurial and things like this. And at the time, I was also dating a guy who was a successful entrepreneur. And so I think everything kind of rubbed off on me where... I started my first like e-commerce business just like as a side hustle while working my full time. And then I, in the process of just testing it out, and this is something that I tell like my coaching clients as well. Like, Mm -hmm. like don't be scared to test things out on a safe level. Like don't, 
if you hate your job, don't just quit right away and no. then like go do something. Like test it out like while you're doing it, like where you're playing it safe, you know, and responsible, being a responsible adult. But you know, you're still like testing things out and talking to different people. And so I was also like hopping on a lot of calls with different um, professionals and asking them what their job's like, just to get a feel of if I would like that job or not. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and after testing out like the e-commerce, running my own like online business type of thing, it was just like, I was hooked. Like it's, yeah, it's just like, put a a joy and spark into my soul (laughs) where I'm like oh my gosh this is so fun and I'm like looking at all these like YouTube videos buying courses and learning all these different things online because it was just like so So fun and then like yeah and I was finally like learning because I enjoy learning not not just learning to get a get a on my test you know and it was stimulating and then that's when I realized like man, I think I just want to give this a shot, like full time, just just a shot for three months. So I told myself, let me just do this for three months. I feel like I also like needed a break from corporate world and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I told people in January that I think I want to quit my job and go to Bali and just live there for three months. <laughs> See <just> ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause that. I had a friend who also did something like that and I was talking with her and just, you know, making things work and looking at my finances, seeing if I have enough savings, like if I'm doing things, you know, you want to do things in a responsible way mm. and it's somehow like timing and everything just kind of aligned where yeah, I was able to do that. And so I finally pulled the trigger. I gave him my two weeks notice um, in like like February of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then my last day of work was March 7th or something like that, March yeah. 7th. And then I was in Bali March 9th. So <laughs> two days after I was in Bali. <laughs> yeah, done. See you later. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. like... This is a this you've made some very very valid points. I'm not going to go all, over all of them because it's quite <laughs> a lot. But there's a couple of them. One of them is don't quit your day job and do your mm-hmm. side hustle on the side. One video I made it was like there's 24 hours in the day. You mm-hmm. still need to pay your bills. And if you don't, if yeah. you, you know, I always said to myself, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and then start something else. I never did, and I'm thankful I didn't do that because if I did mm-hmm. do that, then you put more pressure under yourself to try and build something and you're coming yeah. you start working from the wrong place don't you you start thinking mm-hmm. i need money so i'm i'm going to start doing this for money rather than because i love it um yeah very very it's a very difficult transition but it's a very important transition to stay in your job until you're ready and another mm-hmm. thing you said was test test mm-hmm. test test we hear it a lot at the moment because of covid but not that kind of test test <laughs> out test test what you want to do right such a such valid point so important because mm-hmm. you like I, I mean i started an e-commerce business when i was about four years ago yeah, i mean it it wasn't for me but i'm glad i did mm-hmm. it because i wouldn't have known otherwise i wouldn't mm-hmm. have known i didn't really sell anything it was it was i kind of set it up but i gave it a go and i was like okay this yeah. isn't for me but it's good i like that i gave it a go because you know now i know mm-hmm. and then you kind of slip into what you what you actually find so i mean look talking now current day if you looked into the future of sharon's life what Mm -hmm. is sharon's mission um my mission in terms of like the big picture life just life life, just like what is your mission in life 
Hmm. I think for me, um, man, there's so many different things that I can say. Um, and I know this because, you know, I'm sure as a life coach and as a life coach as well, like I always talk about this, about life vision and there's, there's different, I think areas of like what I can say, but I think ultimately, um, deep down what I want to do in terms of my purpose, I would say is to be able to love on people and to show love on, love to people and to share love to people and to be able to point that love to God. Because for me, faith and my beliefs and, you know, I think as a Christian, like it's something that is very important for me and being able to love people love God, share God's love is, I think, my ultimate life, I guess, big mission in life. Mission, yeah. Love that. Um, and then in terms of, like, if I have, like, one specific goal that I want to focus on on a daily day, it's, like, I would be happy at the end of my life if I can say something like, wow, because I got to live another day, because I got to live every single day that I did, if I if there's one person who was, whose life was a little bit brighter, whose life was a little bit happier, whose life was a little bit better, who felt a little bit more loved because I lived another day on earth, I would be so happy. No, I love that. I love that. And do you know what? That's probably one of the most rewarding mm. and satisfying things you can do as well. Above all, mm. above everything, money included. Like, so mm -hmm. I fully agree with that. I love that. Um, all right, Sharon, look, we're going to close it down here. But amazing, amazing conversation. There were so many nuggets in here of value. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're still listening to this, um, thank you very much. If you've seen value in it or you know someone who could see value in it, please do share it with them. Spreading the message of Sharon's joy and, and love and happiness is what it's all about. And definitely go follow Sharon because if you just look at her Instagram and you'll just you'll just smile. You'll just be happy. Oh. It's a good vibe. It's a good vibe, right? I put on my Instagram the other day. It's positive mm. vibes only. It's, it's the only way we roll. It's the only way we roll. We wouldn't want to roll any other way. So um yeah, no. Well look, um thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Another US client in the back. Woohoo. Um <laughs> love that. So if I come to Chicago, I'll hit you up. I'll say yeah. I mean, I'm not allowed to go to the US at the moment anyway, but, uh, but when it, yeah. whenever we do. When, whenever, yeah, post-COVID days. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll meet you in Bali because that's what we did speak about. So um, yes. that's always an option as well. Um, any, any final words, Sharon? Yeah, um, I guess just for everyone who's listening, I know that right now with COVID and everything, it's been a tough season. And... Mm -hmm. I think with this, you can feel lonely, you can feel anxious, there could be a lot of fear, or even like your health might be not at a place where, you know, it's not where you want it to be. But wherever you are, I think um, just know that like we're all like going through this together, like every single human being on earth. And just like me and Sanjay, you know, we, we met on social media. Uh, you know, but like being able to talk like this in person, it makes me realize like, wow, no, like every single human being, like we all have a story. We're all going through some stuff. So 
know that you're not alone and that you're surrounded by so many people who are there just wanting to also be known, also be heard. So I think if a whole bunch of people acknowledge that together, then this world would be a much less lonelier place and much more loving community field type of place. So know that you're not alone, know that your life has meaning and worth and just keep on doing you. I love that. I love that. What a way to close. Jesus. <laughs> that. That's amazing. Okay. Look, Sharon, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, um, I suppose I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure and honor. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thanks very much. Have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Ignite Your Mind podcast. This is a safe place for real talk on discovering powerful stories, talking about mental health, real business journeys, and hearing inspiring stories. Please do subscribe if you are listening to this on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts, and leave me a comment. And more importantly, share this with anyone who you think may take value from it. I look forward to seeing you next week.